0: Let's discover what lies at the intersection between learning and the lives of the people who make business happen. I'm Dr. Michelle Epler, and this is the Human Capital Lab podcast. With 2.8 million fewer Americans working today compared to February of 2020, L&D leaders in every industry are reexamining educational benefits and how to use them more strategically to combat challenges in recruitment, retention, and employee productivity. To turn their TA benefits into more robust education as benefit offerings, some companies and organizations are seeking out partners to help them realize educational benefits as a competitive advantage. Our guest today, Sherry Hutcherson, has insight and experience into how to evaluate these third-party partners from her experiences as an HR executive or large employers and as a higher education leader. Hi Sherry, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you, Michelle. I'm, you know, I'm here to share and would love to talk more about companies, universities, um, and how all of that fits with educational management partners.
0: We are so lucky to have you for our listeners a little bit more about Sherry. In addition to leading our university's human resource team, she also provides executive-level leadership of Bellevue University's innovative work with the Guild Education, an education platform focused on upskilling workers and preparing organizations for the future. As a member of the Guild Network, Bellevue University educates students from a growing roster of companies, including Walmart, JP Morgan Chase, Target, and others, that are providing their employees with the opportunity to earn debt-free degrees while being employed. Before joining the university, Sherry's background is amazing. She served as a senior VP and Chief HR officer for Union Pacific Railroad, a fortune 150 company with more than 30,000 employees and serving 10,000-plus customers across America. On top of that, she's also been with quite a few other organizations like Omaha Public Power District, and we are just so blessed to have her expertise with us today. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce report that I mentioned and we had just discussed, that had the 2.8 million fewer Americans working today compared to February 2020, created, I'm sure, some challenges. From your perspective, what kind of challenges does this present hiring managers and learning and development leaders who are responsible for ensuring their companies have the right workers in place to accomplish their business goals?
1: That's a really good question, Michelle. And, you know, in addition to the 2.8 million fewer workers, we have a very low unemployment rate. Those leaders are thinking about the fact that our birth rates are falling. So the C-suites and the leaders are asking themselves, how will we create talent pipelines with employees who are qualified to do our work now and in the future? Where are the people we need now and how are we going to get them in the future? And as they think about how the work is changing and how they're going to meet the demands of their customers in the marketplace, also what training and skill competencies will our employees require, that's what they're worried about.
0: So when you were at UP or Union Pacific, how did the organization utilize education?
1: In the organizations I've led, the tuition assistance programs were well appreciated and well utilized by the employees. Initially, many employees used the program when they wanted to gain educational requirements to get a bigger or a different job or wanted to prepare for a promotion. But then as the marketplace evolved and the organizations evolved, we started thinking about talent management and succession as strategic moves that we needed to make to engage our workforce, but also to prepare and plan for business needs. How do we begin to promote people who are really good for the business and move them around to get them operational and the other experiences that the company needed and that they desired?
0: How did that work within the organizations that you were looking at when it came to tuition assistance and the relationships with different colleges? What was the common way of proceeding?
1: Because the training programs that I led were also a part of H.R., We didn't necessarily have educational managers that we were working with. We managed those programs inside the company. So when an employee wanted to apply to go to a university for an undergraduate degree or a master's degree, they came, they spoke to the person in HR, they had a discussion, they went through the degrees because, of course, organizations pick certain degrees that work for the business but that also worked for the employee. They selected that program. If they needed assistance, we helped them complete that paperwork. They turned it in, they went to class. Now, what's really interesting is with the new educational partners, there are barriers removed and that is with cost. In many instances with these employees, there was a tuition assistance program, but it was reimbursable. So that means you went to class, you made the grade, and you were reimbursed when the class was over if you met the grade expectation that was in the policy. So many of those folks had to expend cash in order to get those degrees. And so that's why we had a person that was dedicated because we had a lot to manage with documentation and ensuring that we were meeting the needs of the policy.
0: The landscape changed significantly when one of the nation's biggest companies, Walmart, took a different approach and started working with a third-party company offering an online employee benefits program through which employees can work towards programs and credentials that are approved and subsidized by their employer. How much of an impact do you think this shift in approach had on the market overall?
1: A huge impact. A shift in talent management strategies by the largest employers in the United States occurred. In 2021, Amazon announced a plan to revamp its college benefit program where it would pay its contracted education providers rather than requiring its employees to request reimbursement after they paid out of their own pocket. That was done on the heels of Walmart and Target making this change and the marketplace knowing about it. So you can see that that talent management strategy spread like wildfire. Mm -hmm. And what was so great about it is that when you talk about Walmart, the beauty of that huge shift is that approximately 1.5 million part-time and full-time Walmart and Sam's Club's associates in the US can earn college degrees or learn new trades without the burden of educational debt. Walmart has contributed an investment of $1 billion into this program. It's absolutely phenomenal and what we're seeing is that employees are taking advantage of that education, but more women, more diverse employees, and more first-time, first-generation students are also taking advantage of that educational benefit. So a huge shift in the market in many ways.
0: Not only in the market, but just in our communities and in our nation. When you think about folks who may have never even considered being able to go to college, and now because their employer Finds them valuable. They can take time to invest in themselves. And education is the most amazing
1: thing. It's the one thing that can never be taken away. And what touches my heart the most is workers who have been stuck in low end jobs and not able to afford that education or even have the time to even think about it are now being afforded that opportunity and that time to get educated, to be promoted. To provide for their family with livable wages and actually live a better life. That's just absolutely phenomenal.
0: And just like the pebble that goes into the pond, that the ripples begin. And so people who perhaps in, in the family history being first generation, first time college students pursuing their dreams are now making that influence upon their children. And they're also spreading the word about the fact that employers will invest in you, and those that do will give you this opportunity to go to school. It's very inspiring.
1: These educational relationships remove the number one barrier, and that is cost. They allow the employees or the students to use their benefits without the cost and complexity of reimbursement, so there's no upfront tuition, book, fee costs. This gives the lower wage earners, as I just talked about, more opportunity to use that tuition benefit as well. Um, For the companies, through these partnerships, they select universities that specialize in serving the working adults in the areas of need and interest by the company and by the employee or student. There are broad suites of offerings like degree programs, certificate programs, management and leadership development programs, and other training selected by the companies to help employees from the front line to executive levels, they develop job-related skills for advancement and for business growth. And what I think is most important, there is a serious, serious focus on monitoring and trending retention, persistence, and graduation for all students so that if changes need to be made for the success of these students, there's flexibility to do that. And those students and the company's employees have success and they take that success back to the companies.
0: So there's a really three-way partnership there between the university, the employers, and the students.
1: Well, and if you think about it from the university's perspective, like Bellevue, we provide opportunity for work experience and assignments to be considered in classes. And we provide credit for qualifying corporate training. So students don't have to spend more time in class. They can get credit for the things that they are doing on the job. And the companies get recognition for that training that they provided. And that has definitely been a win-win. And we do that. That's important to us because we understand the importance of real learning for real life. And what's great for us in these partnerships, too, is that we gain access to a massive network of tuition-backed students, and we're ready to serve them, and we're ready to make them be successful.
0: As learning and development and HR leaders are looking at different third-party broker organizations out there that help companies with their tuition assistant benefits, what aspects should they be looking at for a third party to assist them?
1: There are many, but I think it's really important to think about how do you need your employees to be educated? Which organizations are flexible enough to give them that education? So synchronous learning, asynchronous learning online, in person, will they be able to ensure that there's a way for your employees to learn, but to also balance and manage all the activities of their lives? Is there innovation in enrollment and in admissions? Are there counselors there to help these folks through their student learning journey on how do I manage my time? I have a question about this technology. What resources do you have on campus to help me? All of those things are really important. And if there is an educational management partnership with the university that's monitoring and trending the student's experience, that's looking at the demographics of the student, and they're looking at how that information helps the students be successful with the partnership of the university in changes in technology or infrastructure, whatever they need, that's who you choose. That is why you have an educational manager, and that is the wave of the future.
0: I often think about some of our partners when it comes to other universities and educational institutions, and and I think about the term flexibility. And many times when we're having joint conversations about how do we support the workforce, I look around the table and I hear a lot of reasons why they can't. And I think that when you've come across universities that can and are able to be flexible and are doing this monitoring that you're talking about, it helps with that flow of work piece. When you think about the future of education as a benefit, how do you see it evolving?
1: Yeah, I, I would say that um, very flexible and innovative universities have already begun on this path, and that is the hybrid campus. Uh, That is the blending the best of face-to-face instruction with the flexibility of online learning. That's what's going to enhance higher ed and help them to serve all types of learners moving forward because it lowers the cost, it offers more options to students, allow them to manage their time better, and it also prepares them for the workforce. Changes were made in the industry to keep schools and universities in session during and after the pandemic. However, as we've emerged, it's clear that many of these changes are inevitable for our future. And we have enrollment that's down. And so we have to think about what do our students, what do our corporate employers need for the future? And that's what they want. They want that blended learning They also want an opportunity for different types of learning to make them successful. They want more than a a degree, is what I've read. They want skills and training that will ensure a well-paying, rewarding career. In a recent survey, I found that students wanted new programs and new certificates tailored to the new economy with majors and experiences. Experiences are key, Michelle, that connect them with employability. We also have to think about how we're teaching the students and the adult learners in the classroom. Because what I also believe is going to be really critical is that hands-on experience and how to help that employee be successful on their job may be a more beneficial time spent with the instructors, with the actual curriculum or the actual syllabus of the class being taught online. So it'll be really interesting to see how things unfold
0: creating additional ways for folks to be able to apply the knowledge that's been given you know a a lot of times i think in the past when when we had the old sage on the stage university deliveries there was this expectation here's the knowledge have at but (laughs) employers are expecting actual application of said knowledge they need you to be able to do and use this knowledge and um in the flow of work learning will make all of the difference in my opinion.
1: Yeah, the the one thing that I would also like to add is the students will become almost like customers in a corporate world because you design your offerings around the needs of your customers when you're talking about my Fortune 500 experience or large company experience and that's how you're successful. And I believe the days of traditional students coming to school learning from the curricula that's provided Is going away. Students will want to share what they need. Corporations will want to share what they they need. And they will expect for the universities to respond accordingly. That's what brings the value into the company. So it's my thought. As universities are thinking about adjunct professors, Using more and more of those folks to come in and teach those courses because they already know what the company needs. So instead of the the universities trying to learn it and then translate it, have the people that are in the works every day that understands the cultures, that understands how fast customers need things, how they feel about certain answers and responses How do you effectively execute processes to give the efficacy of customer service? The people that are in the midst of that are the people that are well-suited to actually teach that. So that's another partnership that I think we can make stronger. So
0: basically, it's going beyond an advisory board and actually having them be part of of the instructional team.
1: Absolutely. Because the instructors who are already there, it's not to replace the instructors right. who are already there. It's to supplement and provide that education and just that knowledge of the different atmospheres to the instructors that are already on board.
0: Thank you so much. That There's so many great takeaways that we have from our conversation. I know one thing that we do as we wrap up our conversations is that we like to learn a little bit about what our guests read and listen to, what are some resources or suggestions that people could go and and learn more about third parties in the educational benefit
1: space? Well, I am a fan of Michael Horn, who is a respected author, speaker, and advisor in education. He has, just like you, Michelle, great podcasts, uh, Future You!, I really appreciate his forethought on K-12 through education, as well as higher ed education, and his knowledge of educational managers. So that's phenomenal. But I also use the Century Foundation, the Campus Technology. I use, I, I go on all of those sites. Um, I think it's absolutely really good, fascinating information.
0: Oh, that's great, Sherry. Thank you for joining us on the Human Capital Lab Podcast a Growth Network podcast production in collaboration with Bellevue University. For more about Bellevue University's Human Capital Lab, head to humancapitalab.org. If you were inspired today, pass the link on to a colleague or friend. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, keep learning to unlock the long-term potential of human capital.